Welcome into another edition of the Todd Pod. My guest today is my old friend Chisholm Holland. We are on the verge of the NFL playoffs, and we're going to talk all about it in this episode. But first, I have to thank the sponsors of the Todd Pod and our sponsors here at Sellout Crowd. Com. I want to thank MidFirst Bank, Next Generation Roofing, FireLakeJobs.com, the National Cowboy and Western Heritage Museum, Oklahoma Ford Dealers, My, uh, My Ford Edge, Sammy Joe, we call her, 186,000 miles on her. She's still rolling strong. Ford is the best in Oklahoma. Don't forget to go by your best in Oklahoma Ford dealers today for the full lineup on the best deals on all of Ford's trucks and SUVs. Ford is the best in Oklahoma. And also, we want to thank two fellas moving. Nobody wants to help you move. Your family doesn't want to help you. Your friends don't want to help you. All you're doing is being a burden on them. So call two fellas that do want to help you move at Two Fellas Moving. They'll give you a quote on your move with no strings attached. You can also get uh, junk haul uh, services. You can get dumpster rentals as well with spring cleaning coming up. So get in touch with Two Fellas Moving. That's the number twofellas.com. That's twofellas.com. Com. And now on to the Todd Pod with my guest today. He was a former co-worker of mine at 107.7 The Franchise, former Afternoon Drive host. He is, when it comes to the NFL, one of the most knowledgeable and uh, one of the most uh, rabid fans, I think I could say. He is Chisholm Holland. Chisholm, we are on the precipice of what I think is the best month of sports, maybe even better than March Madness, the NFL playoffs. What say you? Uh, yeah, the NFL playoffs are fun. Uh, this year we have a lot of different storylines that make it a little bit of a layup. Uh, best month in sports, though. Try to think. I mean, the NBA season going on right now is obviously great. Uh, college football just came to a close. It's up there for sure. It's pretty good. And this first are round of playoffs. Are you saying month for like got... one singular sport? Or are you saying like the month and all the sports that are going on within that month? Maybe that's probably the best way of putting it because we do have basketball going on as well. Right. Uh, January, February, I think is a lot of fun. March is just solely basketball, but this mm-hmm. you get some overlap. So maybe that's probably a better way of putting it. But the headliner is the NFL playoffs for the next two months. And we've got so many storylines in this first round that we're going to get to when we break down some of the games. But let's start with this question, Chisholm. 14 teams make it now, seven in each conference. So that means there were 18 teams that did not make it. Of those 18 teams that didn't make it, which is the most surprising to you? Uh, so I think there's a, a lot of different ways you could take this. Because like Joe Burrow getting hurt and the Bengals falling out of it and then finding a little bit of life with Jake Browning and I mean, kind of in the mix was surprising. But if you just would have told me in week one, like, hey, the Bengals aren't going to make the playoffs this year, that would have been surprising. Same goes for Jacksonville when they were uh, four games up in their division. Uh, around Christmas, and then they just kind of fall apart uh, going down the stretch there. I think like there's some obvious names, but those are due to injuries, Trevor Lawrence and Joe Burrow and some other teams. I would say that like as far as like a surprising team or a team that I'm disappointed that didn't make the playoffs, for me, like that answer would be Chicago because Chicago caught a lot of fire there at the end of the year. And so if we're just going from like a uh, a disappointment factor or a surprising factor because of how well they're playing, I would love to see the Bears in the postseason. And I think the Bears fans are probably the team, the fan base right now, who would want to see their team the most in the postseason because they still have the most question marks. They they finished 7-10. and 10. Justin Fields looks good for the final five games of the year. And they have the number one overall pick. Like, if, if Chicago was in the playoffs right now, Todd, the entire storyline for them is can Justin Fields 
win a playoff game and assure himself to be the quarterback of the Chicago Bears. It's like one game would be playing for a contract. And like, that's a fun storyline that we almost got. Uh, Chicago came up a little bit short, but there's tons of teams who at the beginning of the year, we would have thought were playing. I mean, the chargers, obviously with the Justin hurts or uh, Justin hurts, uh, Justin, uh, Herbert injury, uh, being a big factor there. Kirk cousins going down for the Vikings, uh, Seattle, obviously with Geno Smith in, in and out of that lineup. There's a lot of teams coming up short, but as far as like a, a team I've enjoyed watching that I'm disappointed it's not in it, be Chicago. How about the other side of it? What's the team that made it this year that you're most surprised by? I would imagine you're going to start with the Texans who have a rookie quarterback in CJ Stroud, right? Yeah, I mean, they, they probably had the offensive rookie of the year and defensive rookie of the year on the same team, taking the back-to-back picks. That's super rare. Uh, they have a first-year head coach uh, making the playoffs, which is not as rare as you would think, uh, but pretty rare. And coming out of nowhere, right? They were horrible last year. Horrible. And this year, they were a good football team with C.J. Stroud in the mix. It'll be interesting to see what they look like in the postseason. I am truthfully a little bit worried that some of that stuff isn't going to translate and some of the you know wide receiver injuries would be a big factor. But they're an obvious pick, right? As a team that made the playoffs, it's a little bit as uh, of a surprise. You could also do surprise in like the, if I told you X, Y, and Z, would you believe me? If I told you that Kenny Pickett was going to be the Pittsburgh Steelers starting quarterback and be horrible, horrible, and have one of the worst offenses in the NFL, that they were going to have Matt Canada as their offensive coordinator, who everyone thought was horrible, him stick around five weeks longer than anyone thought he should have, him getting fired in the middle of the year, and the offense still being bad. And then they go to Mitchell Trubisky, and then they go to Mason Rudolph who rallies the wagons and gets everybody excited in Pittsburgh, and now the Steelers sneak their way in as a seven seed. I think that's surprising as well. Just with how their season unfolded, it is very Mike Tomlin-esque that the quarterback position was in flux. Their number, their first-round draft pick from a year ago was really, really bad. And then a guy who's been on the team for what feels like decades, and Mason Rudolph, comes out of the woodwork to save their season. It's really, really shocking. And, and they're a team that I, I frankly wouldn't have wanted to play if they would have had T.J. Watt a little bit different now, but... They just kind of have that knack, Todd. Not to mention uh, the Browns as well. If you would have told me that they would have got there the way they yeah. did with Joe Flacco leading them to the five playoffs, quarterbacks. that's kind of crazy. Five so, quarterbacks started a game yeah. for Cleveland. How wild is that? Quarterback has been an interesting position this year. And, uh, you know, I'm representing as I should <laughs> because I probably just have one more week left to do it. But. Uh, part of the reason why the Packers are there, I mean, Jordan Love has been good, but also more than anything, he's not been hurt, right. which is part of the reason why Green Bay has made it this year. So, um, it do you is, know how many uh, there starting quarterbacks there were? Lines. Yeah. How, do you know how many quarterbacks you know, started ahead, an NFL game this year? I don't, I mean, Shocking 32 number. teams, so I'm going to guess 75. 64, 64 quarterbacks started an NFL game. 78 played in a game. 78 different guys wow. played at quarterback in an NFL game. 64 started. It's the highest number in NFL history. It's It's been bananas. And it's teams like Cleveland, right, who have played five different guys. It's teams like the Rams, who played three different guys this year, who've just kind of had to make it work the with some patchwork. Yeah, the Vikings have played a lot of guys. Um, you know, the Cardinals started three guys this year. It's It's been a lot of that. And then to your point, there's teams like Green Bay and Dallas and San Francisco and Baltimore, who who haven't had any of the quarterback trouble. Uh, Philadelphia, who haven't had any of the quarterback guys missing injury or missing time, and that playing a role. I love how you, as an Eagles fan, said Philadelphia hasn't had anyone injured. You didn't say they haven't had quarterback trouble, uh, yeah. but we will get to the Eagles because we're going to break down all of these games. 
Let's start with the first game out of the gate this week. Let's start with the Browns and Texans, two franchises that are connected because of that Deshaun Watson trade, and they meet in the first round. You got a 38-year-old quarterback in Joe Flacco who was uh, he was driving a car. He was a little over 16 years old when C.J. Stroud was born. How do you break down this matchup, Chisholm? Uh, I mean, it, Cleveland's entire identity, and Joe Flacco is getting a lot of pub, and he, he you know he deserves it, right? He comes back out of the woodwork. Uh, and starts NFL games and looks, you know, like an NFL caliber quarterback. Cleveland's defense is like their whole team. I, we get caught up with the storyline, right, and like the the romancing of the Joe Flacco story. That's not why they're good, right? They're winning games with Dorian Thompson Robinson, right? They're winning games uh, with a hobbled Deshaun Watson, who in the first ten weeks of the NFL had a bottom three offense, right? Like they have not been winning games because of the quarterback at any point this season, Joe Flacco, Deshaun Watson, and everyone in between. They've been winning games because of Miles Garrett. They've been winning games because of that secondary and Denzel Ward and those guys. So, I mean, that, that's what this is going to come down to, right? Can Miles Garrett make C.J. Stroud, a quarterback who has actually been top three in the NFL as an under-pressure quarterback, can they make him uncomfortable? Because to this point, no one has made C.J. Stroud uncomfortable. The, the Houston Texans offense has had bad games. But as far as Stroud struggling with sack percentage or struggling with throws under pressure, he's actually been excellent. So if you're going to build a little bit of a team to try to make it tough on Cleveland, it would look like a quarterback like C.J. Stroud, who's had that success. But obviously, as I mentioned, they got some offensive playmakers who are out and have been out for a while. They've taken a step back. The Houston defense has had moments where it's looked pretty good, but you know the big throws that Joe Flacco has kind of lived on with Amari Cooper and others, they'll probably be there. And so... Uh, if Cleveland wins this game on the road, and then the best outcome possible, travel to Baltimore, so Joe Flacco gets a little bit of a revenge game. I, I think it's we're going to be talking about a a twenty to fourteen kind of a win uh, because Cleveland's identity is not Joe Flacco as much as he's been on the front page of the headlines. It's been it's been Miles Garrett in that defense for sure. You say that, and I don't disagree. But quarterback play is so important in the playoffs. Joe Flacco is going to have to make some throws, sure, or he's going to have to make fewer bad throws than C.J. Stroud. Maybe that's kind of what you're getting at. Um, I guess will we answer the age-old question, Chisholm, in this playoffs? Is Joe Flacco elite? People <laughs> ask that question for about a decade. Yeah, it, it, I it, I can't ever tell if this is a joke or if this is serious. Are we actually asking it, if Joe Flacco is elite? It, it's totally a joke. It's totally okay. a joke, Jizzle. Okay. Okay. <laughs> uh, I, 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 yes, to your point, quarterback play is going to matter. Uh, Cleveland, though, has won more games in NFL history this regular season with a negative turnover differential, which means they turn they, uh, turned the ball over more than they got on defense, and they still won the game more times than anyone else in NFL history. Nine times this year. They lost the turnover battle and won the game. That that defense has been outstanding. And so I, I agree with you on the whole that quarterback play is a driving force in the NFL largely. Specifically for Cleveland, I'll actually say I don't know if I totally buy that. I think that defense is that good. All right, let's move to the second game on Saturday night. And this is one of many games this weekend that has a ton of local intrigue in Oklahoma. You've got Tyreek Hill, former Oklahoma State standout, coming back to Kansas City, taking on the Chiefs. Obviously, a lot of Oklahoma connections with the Chiefs as well. Uh, Creed Humphrey, probably the biggest name Oklahoma connection there. But this is a game where you're looking game time temperature, possibly in single digits. I've seen as low as two degrees in Kansas City on Saturday night. It's going to be windy as well. You've got a warm weather team in the Dolphins traveling to Kansas City. Uh, Tua v. Pat Mahomes, Mike McDaniels v. Andy Reid. 
I probably would take Andy Reid in a wrestling match. I don't know who I would take when it comes to this offensive game plan. But this is a very intriguing matchup on multiple levels, Chisholm. What do you think of this one? Yeah, this is a, this is a game that like six weeks ago, if you had told me I'm in a first-round playoff matchup, I'd have been like clearing my schedule, making sure that my wife understands that I will be no help with the kid. I'm not helping with dinner. I'm not doing any dishes. I'll be on the couch for these next four hours. This game has lost its intrigue a little bit. Obviously, the top two guys uh, for the Dolphins in sacks this year, both out uh, out for the remainder of the year. Um, and so they're not going to be able to get after the quarterback quite near to the level that they have through this season. Then you add the Jalen Waddell injury. If he plays, if he doesn't play, Raheem Mostert. If he plays, if he doesn't play, Devon A-Chain. If he plays, if he doesn't play. It just kind of feels like we're getting a little bit of like the corpse of the Week 12 Miami Dolphins rolling in here. They're, they're hobbled. Um, and they finished the year like they were hobbled. Uh, so if you're going to make the case for Miami, it's going to be the the weather doesn't matter to uh, to Atungavailoa. He finds a way to 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 play well. Tyree Kill gets his big revenge game, and I don't really see that. On the other side, though, I don't love what I've seen from Kansas City either. Um, they have obviously struggled offensively. Their defense that was very good for the first six or seven weeks of the year really came cratering down after that. So all that being said. This feels a little bit slap fighty to me. Uh, I don't know if I like either one of these teams in the next round of the playoffs, but against each other, I would take Kansas City slightly. Do I ever want to rule out the Chiefs entirely and Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes? No, but they look like they have some real big flaws uh, that might get exploited uh, next week as well. But I I don't know if I really have a great read on this game entirely because I don't know if I love either one of these teams. Well, one thing I would say that I find interesting with the Chiefs is that They've they've lost a lot on their home field this year. I think they've lost four home games this year. Uh, most recently, you've got the Bills going in there. The Lions went in there on Thursday night to open the season as well. So the Chiefs have not exactly just been dominant on their home field. So I might uh, I might I might take uh, Miami to go in and pull an upset. Okay. But it it does depend a lot. It does depend a lot on the health of some of those players for Miami and how much they can contribute and. I'll just say it. I'm not a big Tua fan, so it's hard for me to to uh, to depend on Tua. But I think Tyree Kill is gonna make a big play in this game, and it may be a difference making play. Let's yeah. go to Sunday. Let's start with the early game on Sunday now, and I think the Sunday slate's gonna be a lot of fun. Uh, maybe not so much with the early one. We've got Steelers at Bills. Who would have thunk that the game in Kansas City was gonna be worse weather than the game in Buffalo? in early January. It's actually going to be okay, like 20-something degrees there. Another game with local intrigue, Mason Rudolph, who's come in and done things for the Steelers. Do they have any chance to go to Buffalo and win? Uh, Yeah, for sure. Uh, I mean, first off, credit to Buffalo. They look dead on arrival in week 10-ish, whenever they lost to Philadelphia, right? They lose in that overtime game. They have a double-digit lead in the fourth quarter in Philadelphia. They give up that lead, and then they lose in overtime after Josh Allen throws an interception on the first possession. I, I thought they were dead. They were below 500. They were going into their bye week. This team has no answers. They've already fired the offensive coordinator and the defensive coordinator. Their season's over. They've rallied. And all the credit in the world to Buffalo uh, for not only rallying, but getting all the way up into the two seed, where they potentially have two home playoff games before the conference championship if they face Baltimore. Um, I but they're very beatable. Uh, Buffalo has been erratic, to say the least, uh, all season long. Their defense has been well below uh, the league average. 
they've basically lived or died by big plays from Josh Allen. And Josh Allen has been either a touchdown machine or a turnover machine, and it's been a little bit week to week. That's gotten better as the season has gone on. But even a game like Sunday this past week when they needed to win because they were either going to be the two-seater out of the playoffs, which is amazing, uh, they needed to win. Josh Allen still has two turnovers in that ball game. I, I think that's kind of who... Buffalo is at their core. They they are turnover prone, and they have been uh, this entire year. The only caveat I will add is obviously with Pittsburgh missing T.J. Watt, which is their best player, bar none, on that team. That defense isn't as daunting, and and their winning percentage uh, as the Steelers without T.J. Watt since he's been drafted reflects that it's below forty percent. So they're there's a different team without T.J. Watt on the field. Uh, so that gives you a little bit of belief, but I I, I refuse to rule out Josh Allen allowing the other team to be in the football game. Now, he can win it by 14, right? He can be amazing. He can be a superhero. He's done that a bunch over the course of his career, but he's also had games this year where he's allowed lesser teams to hang around. I mean, we all saw week one against the Jets, right? Like, that game is a microcosm of who Buffalo has been this year, which is the other team across from us is not as talented. We should be up by double digits, but we've had so many turnovers that we're letting this bad team hang around. And Pittsburgh is better than anyone else in the NFL about hanging around. Yeah, I think uh I think I just kind of to same point as you. Mason Rudolph he's not he's not going to make the plays that Josh Allen can make, but he can make fewer mistakes than Josh Allen makes and that's how Pittsburgh wins this game. Um I I have a hard time thinking the Steelers are going to go in and win at Buffalo, but with that said, you mentioned that the Steelers have found ways to win this year. I think it was like their first 9 games of the season they were outgained. And they they were something like six and three in those nine games right. or something crazy. Um, they it's gone. Just, it's just wild how they. Would. Yeah, I think they went twenty one games in it a row was, without getting three hundred yards on offense, which was obviously an all time record. That's wild. Like, I mean, it's it's that's crazy. What Matt Canada was doing with that offense was unbelievable in the worst way possible. And it's it's also crazy. You've got two teams playing who fired their offensive coordinators uh, yeah. mid season who are playing in the playoffs right now it's it's a pretty intriguing matchup and the mason rudolph side of it makes it even more intriguing uh with Oklahoma state fans here local yeah he has been really good he has been really good and he's probably made himself a lot of money whether it's as a backup or as a starter in the future we've seen i mean this year is exhibit a of why teams need good backup quarterbacks uh all right let's go to the afternoon game on sunday this one piques my interest the Packers at the Cowboys. Jordan Love has led the Packers into the playoffs in his first full season as a starter. They take on a familiar face in their old head coach and Mike McCarthy. Could this be the year for the Dallas Cowboys? You you talked about it. it there's a lot of pressure on Josh Allen. There's obviously a lot of pressure on Dak Prescott to perform in the playoffs as well. This feels like a no-pressure game for Green Bay a low expectation game, which to me makes them a little bit dangerous for the Cowboys. I mean, if you would have told a Green Bay fan, like, hey, you know, this is at the end of last year, right? They don't make the playoffs. Aaron Rodgers thing is up in the air doing the Aaron Rodgers things. And then you said, hey, here's what's going to happen. You guys are going to trade Aaron Rodgers. It's going to take forever, right? It's going to go through the whole offseason. It's going to be incredibly dramatic. You know, he's going to go to do the cabin darkness thing. And what, like, it's going to be all of this storyline. And then you're basically just going to run the team back except for Jordan Love is going to be the quarterback and you're going to make the playoffs. I don't think anybody believed you. I don't think anybody would have believed you. Uh, and so like this has been a little bit of a miracle season for them. I don't like Green Bay's defense. I don't like their scheme. It's been bad for a long time. Uh, but the difference is, is a guy named Brian Baldinger, 
who I think is one of the best X's and O's guys that you can can read and watch. I kind of break down the tape. You know, he basically says Matt LaFleur has the most creative offense in the NFL right now as far as just making it easy on the quarterback, giving the quarterback layups that they can't miss, right? Is it the most explosive offense? No. Is it the most, you know, out of this world racking up yards? No, but as far as making it as simple down to down on a quarterback, he said Matt LaFleur is doing the best job in the NFL right now. Um, and so with that, uh, Dan Quinn's defense has had moments where it's been incredibly dominant. It's had moments where it's struggled uh, in coverage. And so if Matt LaFleur can get those guys in the back end a little confused and get those layups to Jordan Love, this could be a shootout. I would take the Cowboys, you know, 99 times out of 100. I, I like the Cowboys a lot in this matchup. I think Dak Prescott, especially with CeeDee Lamb, has been pretty outstanding. And I don't know if Green Bay has a way of slowing that down. Uh, on the outside. So I, I think Dallas is probably going to be pretty comfortable in this one. But if you told me that Green Bay's offense uh, was so good that it played the ball control game, it, it, it's plausible. It really is. So this is by no means uh, probably a layup in the world of Vegas. I actually don't even know what the uh, the money line odds are on uh, Green Bay to win this game. I think. The line, seven and a half. I think seven and a half, yeah. and a half Dallas is favored. I, I don't know what the money line is. Yeah, plus two seventy five for Green Bay. So I mean, that, that's like a twenty five percent chance, and I think that's probably right. Yeah, I I would just uh, let me float this at you. We know Cowboys fans. You're an Eagles fan, so you certainly know Cowboys fans. We know that they are uh, nothing if uh, not reactionary, right? Uh, what they they react to everything. It's either the best or the worst in the world. So let's just throw a scenario out there that Dak Prescott throws a couple picks and they lose at home to Green Bay. What does Monday morning look like for Cowboys fans, Chisholm? Well, uh, I'm just uh, obviously grateful for my time in New England, and I'm just excited to be a Dallas Cowboy. Obviously, one of the greatest. I mean, they, they, they <laughs> feel like Bill, Bill Belichick, Belichick, right? Huh? Yeah, come on. <laughs> I, if they if they have an embarrassing loss again in the playoffs, I don't know how you can't. Because like everyone knows, you don't move on from the quarterback unless you have to. And so, if you want to like hang that on Dak Prescott, and there will be people who do that. I think Mike McCarthy is going to be let out to dry. I don't care how many sleepovers he's had over at Jerry J's house. So I think that might be coming the, the calling doors for Mike McCarthy. And then I do, I mean, I think they're going to go big fish hunting for, uh, for an offensive court, uh, offensive coach, uh, maybe with a little bit more pedigree than Mike McCarthy. So you're telling me the Packers could be the death nail in uh, Mike McCarthy's 100%. Dallas tenure. I mean, they've already ended Tom Brady's tenure, right? So now, I mean, now they're going to go, Mike, they're going to self-sabotage their own head coach. Two there legends in two consecutive years. Yeah, yeah I, wouldn't, I wouldn't hate that at all. Uh, all right, let's move to the night game. Another game where it's like, you know, Arian Foster had that joke a few years ago that the NFL, or last year, that the NFL has a script, which, oh, yeah. you know, th the same people who think the earth is flat and believe in all the QAnon stuff ran with that one. But he's got a pretty good <laughs> argument when you see games like this one in the playoffs. You got Rams at Lions. I mean, we just a few years ago had the Matt Stafford for Jared Goff trade. These two teams know a lot about each other. Dan Campbell's a figure that a lot of people like. Sean McVay's a figure that a lot of people respect. What do you make of this matchup in the first round? I think it's like, like on an individual player element, this is a great game to do the how much better has Jared Goff gotten since the Rams decided to move on from him, right? Like he's led another team to the playoffs. He's had a great regular season. He's put together a top five offense. Now, some people are you know, going to give credit to the coordinator. Fine, whoever. But Jared Goff looks like he has gotten better. If any of those warts that made Los Angeles decide to move on from the former number one pick are still there, Sean McVay is going to be the guy who's going to say, hey, look, he doesn't want to do this. He doesn't like looking at this. This puts gives him trouble, right? And we're going to see that. So I'm excited to see like 
how much better is Jared Goff than he was four years ago? Uh, I think that's a great question. On the other side of things, though, San Francisco is the best team in the NFC. The Vegas odds reflect that. San Francisco is the favorite to win the Super Bowl. I think the Rams are the second scariest team in this conference. I, I mean, Ooh, I think they are absolutely playing incredible football down the stretch. And the Matthew Stafford back stuff was a big story going into the regular season. The first five weeks doesn't look like a problem at all. The middle chunk of the season, he looks hampered. He looks slow. And then here lately, him and Cooper Cup and Pukunakua and the Kyron Williams stuff, like their offense is outrageous. And then they still have talent on defense. Obviously, Aaron Donald in the middle uh, is a name that people are familiar with. But their defense, despite having a bunch of lower round picks and, and undrafted free agents, it's been okay. I, I don't want to oversell it. I don't want to make it sound like they've been a dominant unit. They haven't been. But they haven't been in the bottom of the league. They've been sitting about 16th in DVOA since week 12. And so they're a team that with an average defense and what I really think can be an unbelievable star-studded offense with those three playmakers and Matthew Stafford feeling healthy, they're scary. And, and you know, the, the NFC is filled with a lot of pretty good teams. I think there's a great team that's been there for about a month in Los Angeles. They just had a bad record because of the first 12 weeks. Is this a me problem, Chisholm? I... I have probably, not probably, I haven't paid enough attention to the Rams this year. Uh, am I am I in the minority there? Do you think the Rams have flown under radar with a lot of NFL fans? Oh, absolutely. They've flown under because they, they had no chance to win their division, right? Like they were never going to catch San Francisco. Yeah. Uh, and so they immediately get ruled out of that. They're just playing for a wild card spot. And like I said, I mean, they go without Matthew Stafford for three weeks, if my memory serves right. It might have been two. But they go without Matthew Stafford for a little bit of time. Kyron Williams, who was. Uh, the running back who finished last year so strong, he misses a huge chunk at the start of the season. Obviously, Cooper Cup started the season out on IR. I think a lot of people just kind of put the Rams on the back burner, and they were like a lot of teams this year and hung around 500, and then things broke right for them at the end. Now they're healthy, right? Like all of those things that I listed that have been little hampers for them aren't there anymore, and and, and they they are finally going into a stretch fully healthy with all their veteran players ready to try to make a run and the NFC feels very open. And so I think a lot of people just look at the, you know, the nine win record and think that's who the Rams are. That's who they were. But obviously the, the talent on the field is different now than it was in week 12. And I, I think that's the part that people are missing. I think you also get on top of this. You've got a team in the Rams who, you know, a franchise who just recently has won a Super Bowl versus a team in the Lions who hasn't done anything in the playoffs in most of our right. lifetimes. I think their last playoff win was in like 1993 or something. So you've got, you know, you've got that at play as well. Um, I I think the Rams are kind of a trendy pick. I don't think trendy in, in a way that people are just making stuff up. I think there's a reason why. And I think part of it is because the Rams have done this at the end of the year, gone upward, and the Lions have kind of plateaued a little bit towards the end of the season. The Lions were on the other end of that, Chisholm. They they knew they were going to win the division three weeks ago, three, four weeks ago. So, uh, you know, I don't think you've seen the same Lions team late in the year that you saw early in the year when they went to Kansas City and won and started like 9-2 and two or something like that. And right. honestly, I think it all started when the Packers went there and beat them on Thanksgiving. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's when... Some of the awards from Detroit has been shown. And, and Jared Goff on the road is a totally different guy than at home. We've seen that his entire career. Uh, you know, this game is obviously going to be played in Detroit. And so that's played some of it. Uh, some of the primetime matchup stuff has not gone Detroit's way. But overall, they're a good team. And, and Ben Johnson, the offensive coordinator for the Lions, who we assume is going to be a head coach this time next year, uh, does a really incredible job about getting some of that stuff uh, open for Goff and using all those playmakers, you know. I can see just name Laporta and Amon Ron St. Brown. But Laporta being out, I think, matters for them. 
I, I think that they are coming into this uh, with a defense that is not as good as Los Angeles's, and that matters. And so when you're talking about people picking the Rams, I think this is what it is, and this is the best way I can say it. So the San Francisco 49ers are basically plus 200 to win the NFC. The Bill, sorry, the uh, the Dallas Cowboys are second at plus 800. So two to one odds, eight to one odds. Philadelphia is 15 to one. Detroit is 25 to one. The Rams are 30 to one. And so, like I said, I think San Francisco should be far and away the favorite. But that next clump of teams, Dallas, Detroit, Los Angeles, God knows Philadelphia, like all of those are either roughly the same or just not playing as well as the Rams are right now. But the odds don't reflect that. And so I think that's why people are on the Rams because I think they should just be closer to those other teams when it comes to odds to win the conference. Maybe not the favorite, but definitely closer than 30 to 1 compared to Dallas's 8 to 1. And then Monday, we've got our final game of Wild Card Weekend. Big one for Sooner fans, no, Red National Raider Championship fans. Championship was last week, Todd. Last week was the National Championship. Tide fan. We've got uh we've got Baker Mayfield v Jalen Hurts, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers who won the NFC South. Uh you probably could talk eloquently as many have about Baker Mayfield and what he's done. He's been one of the hottest quarterbacks in the league at the tail end of this year and another team Chisholm that just has been healthy at quarterback all year and has gotten hot at the right times, right time against an Eagles team who started hot and then faced that murderer's row schedule and seems to be tailing off at the end of the season. I think the Eagles are the more talented team. Honestly, I think they could probably tush push their way down the field and win this game like 14 to 13 or something. Uh, But right now there are a lot of people who are very low on the Eagles. You're an Eagles fan. How do you feel about this one? How do you feel about the playoffs for your Philly Eagles? Not good, Todd. Not good. I mean, like, how could you? <laughs> like, like, if you're like a rosy Eagles fan four weeks ago, you're saying like, look, they've had nothing to play for. They've been in the driver's seat. Okay, so now that they've lost a couple of games, now they have to start trying again, right? The effort has been the problem. The effort, Todd. Well, then they had two games in a row they really need to win to get the number two seed and potentially the number one seed against Arizona, the Giants. And they don't lose. They don't show up. Right? Like losing in the NFL happens all the time. It's a league of parody. I could get around like, hey, they lost to the Giants in a game they really needed to win. NFL's always been fluky. Not showing up in a game they needed to win 24 to 0 at halftime to tie Rod Taylor. God help us all. Like that's just a sign that the, things have gone wrong. My summation of this game specifically is Jalen Hurts gets blitzed more than any other quarterback in the NFL, almost twice as much as any other quarterback in the NFL because the book is out. The Philadelphia Eagles do not have an answer for the blitz. They don't. Can't do Haven't had it all year. They are the most blitzed against team in the NFL, and they are the least successful team against the blitz in the NFL. That's what the Giants did. They blitzed 78% of the snaps last week. And the Eagles couldn't move the ball. Couldn't move the ball. So, you know, Todd Bowles, another guy, another disciple of the blitz packages, he's going to come in and he's going to heat up Jalen Hurts. And so if you're sitting there and you think, well, Chisholm, they, can, they know the problem now. We've known the problem all year in Philadelphia. Like if you're if you're following this team, every Eagles reporter has been saying, like, this is the Achilles heel. This team has no answer when the other team blitzes five or more players. They have no answer. They have not solved it. That was the discussion in week six. It was the discussion week seven, eight, nine. If Philadelphia had an answer, we would have seen it by now. So I don't expect a miracle cure. This is not like a I think they should build it, burn it down to the ground and oh my gosh, everything is the worst. If they, you know, if they let go of the head coach. That's very Philadelphia of them. But like, I don't know if I think any of that's the answer. I think it's just very clear that the five guys who are in charge of that offense right now don't have any answers for the biggest problem they have. And I just don't know if they're going to solve that in six days when they haven't solved it all year. On the defensive side, 
They've had guys running wide open. Baker Mayfield is one of the most accurate quarterbacks in the NFL when he's upright and not under pressure. Philadelphia has not gotten any pressure since the bye week after they got the win over Kansas City. They, I mean, uh, Josh Sweat, their second-best edge rusher, hasn't gotten a pressure, Todd. Not a sack. Not a QB hit. A pressure nice. since the Kansas City game, and he's their second-best player on defense. That's just, that's just been what Philadelphia's been. And so I don't think Baker Mayfield's going to be under pressure. I think that offensive line's playing better. You know, Mike Evans is a guy who's always been explosive, been able to make a big play. He's going to have opportunities on this secondary, even though Darius Slay's coming back. I just think it's the wrong time. This is not, again, a Philadelphia Eagles suck. I just think there's some very crucial things wrong that they just they don't have any time to fix it right now. So that's that's a that's a, this offseason kind of a thing. Going into this one, I think I think Tampa Bay's got a really good chance. Okay, so I'm going to get your winner predictions now. Let's go AFC first on the three games uh, this weekend. Let's start with Browns-Texans. Who wins that one? Give me Cleveland. Uh, I like that in a low-scoring game. I, ooh, I, I don't know if I'm supposed to be giving out picks, Todd, but uh, I would go tell you probably take you the can, under. Yeah. I, bet it's, I, bet it, I bet it's probably around 45. Yeah, it's 44 and a half. I would take the under in that one. I like Cleveland's defense a lot. I don't know if it can carry them to a conference championship, but I do think it can beat a young quarterback in C.J. Stroud. So I would take the, uh, the Cleveland Browns in the under. Okay, Bills and uh, Steelers. This one's a little bit tougher. Uh, if I was like making a wager, I would probably take the Steelers plus 375 uh, on the money line because I think that's good odds. But just picking up straight up a winner, uh, I would probably like Buffalo a little bit more if all things are equal. Uh, but again, a, a, a game that could get wrecked here by some turnovers and make this thing a little bit fluky on both sides. Now, Mason Rudolph, the reason he's been so good is not the touchdowns or the yardage. It's because he hasn't turned the ball over. Uh, that could, you know, that could be a problem against Buffalo, but Buffalo hasn't really forced a lot of turnovers this year. So, I would take Buffalo to win. I, I like Pittsburgh a lot to cover the ten points. I think that's way too much, uh, and I'd probably sit there right there, uh, right at the over thirty six. Okay, then Kansas City, Miami, the other AFC game this week. Uh, yeah, I like I said, I I don't have a great read for this one. I'm going to go with Kansas City purely based on the fact that they're at home and it's bad weather, and Miami has struggled in bad weather. That, that, and that's it. I don't have a great reason. Uh, this is probably one of the games I feel the least confident about because I really do think there are some crucial issues in Kansas City they haven't quite figured out yet uh, and gotten answers for. So we'll see. Uh, but I, I would skeptically take Kansas City at home. Uh, but I, I think we can see that defense really get exploited for Miami and maybe make Kansas City look a little bit better than they are with all the entries they have. That would give us a couple juicy uh, second-round matchups with – Browns at Ravens and yeah. Chiefs at Bills. I think the Bills and Chiefs, the last four or five times they've played, have all been in Kansas City. That would be one in Buffalo. So go ahead and pick those. If we're if we're going to extrapolate this out to the Super Bowl, who makes it to the AFC Championship? Uh, Chiefs, Bills, and Browns, Ravens. Who do you have making it forward? Do you like the Ravens in the playoffs? Like the Lamar Jackson struggling in the passing. Does that do anything for you? Are you worried about that at all? I mean. I do like the Ravens, but I do think the the Browns are the type of team that could beat them. Yeah, I like uh, my non storyline. Looking at an Excel spreadsheet, pushing up my glasses to my nose, self is like Baltimore's by far the best team. It's not close. Uh, they have been the best team all year. They have they have allowed some teams to hang around, but their their point differential is great. They've been great at home. Obviously, they're gonna play all the games at home. Uh, and Lamar Jackson is deserving of the MVP award. 
I am a little bit of the, well, he really has struggled those first few go-arounds, whenever it came to the postseason, and wanted to see it before uh, I totally totally buy in. But I picked Baltimore to uh, to beat Cleveland, uh, barring another big setback for Lamar. And then I would take Buffalo over Kansas City for sure. No doubt in my mind on that one. Um, and I would like Baltimore okay, to go then to the Baltimore, Super Bowl. Baltimore, Buffalo. Yeah, Baltimore, Baltimore to go to the Super Bowl. To to the Super Bowl. Okay. They're the only team okay, in the so you that I feel both- good about their defense and good about their offense, right? There's a whole lot of murky water with a lot of these yeah. teams, but I like both of those units. I think it's probably pretty clear cut in the NFC as far as who makes it to the Super Bowl, who you're going to pick. Uh, but let's start, uh, maybe not. You mentioned the Rams earlier. If I'm If I'm understanding how you broke down the games right, you think the Buccaneers are going to beat the Eagles. You think yeah. the Cowboys are going to beat the Packers. And you think the Rams are going to beat the Lions, right? Yes, sir. So that means the Rams would go on the road to San Francisco in the second round. Uh, and that means that the Buccaneers would go on the road to Dallas in the second round. How would you break down those matchups? Uh, I'd probably take Dallas over um, Tampa Bay because I do think Dallas could create pressure on Baker Mayfield. Uh, I think their defensive line has been playing well enough to create some of that havoc uh, on for Tampa yeah. Bay. So that's my gut is that I like Dallas there. And, you know, CD lamb is a great receiver and he, they line him up all over the place. And Tampa Bay has had some injuries in the secondary. So I like Dallas in that matchup on the other side. I mean, this is a real test of the metal. San Francisco has been the best team all year uh, in the NFC. They had a, a, a three game slide, obviously without Trent Williams in the lineup. How much stock do you put into that, if any at all? I don't know. They'll be rested, obviously, but sometimes there's the rust versus rest thing. I I would take San Francisco to win that game and then probably make it into the into the Super Bowl. But as I've said in the preseason, if everybody remembers that podcast, you probably don't. That's okay. Uh, I was very high on Baltimore, and I was low on San Francisco in the fact that Kyle Shanahan always finds a way to make the game a little bit more complicated than it needs to, and it ends up costing him. Right. And I, I laid out, you can go back and listen. I laid out four or five different examples where in the postseason, Kyle Shanahan gets a l- little too complex, a little too cute. And next thing you know, his quarterback's hurt. Uh, and so I, I think that's a possibility. I think that's a possibility for sure. And so um, I like San Francisco. I think they're really talented. Truthfully, their coach uh, in game management and that stuff is the one that worries me. But I, I just think they're too talented right now and too healthy. So you've got a rematch then of the lights going out Super Bowl between oh, the yeah. Ravens and the Steelers. Yeah. Hopefully we keep the lights on this time. Uh, Chisholm, I'm putting you on the spot here. Who wins the Super Bowl about a month from now? Give me Baltimore. Baltimore. Yes. Is that now you're thinking Chisholm? Is that because you're an Eagles fan? You don't like San Francisco? Yes, it is. Thank you. Give me Baltimore. I'll take the Ravens. And uh, I like <laughs> Lamar Jackson a lot personally. So I'm, I'm in on Lamar. Yeah, I think a uh, a Baltimore Bills AFC championship would be great, and obviously Cowboys Niners for all the nostalgia factors, and it would be a pretty good game, I think would be good as well. Hopefully better than the regular season game between those two if they met in the uh, NFC championship. Chisholm, I appreciate it. Before I let you go, I'm going to give you a chance. I let people promote what they're working on, so I'm going to give you a chance to tell people why they should come out and watch Duncan High School Girls Basketball. Because are they the demons or lady demons? I don't know, but they're really good. Tell us all about it. Yeah, the lady demons. Uh, yeah, our women's basketball team is great. Uh, they have uh, – they Todd, you would 
love the way they play. They run a half court trap the entire game. They're trying to live in transition. They're super athletic and long. They force a lot of turnovers. They're not running half court sets. We're scoring layups or missing layups and we're playing defense on the other end. It's great. They're a ton of fun to watch. Our wrestling program, uh, you know, was a state runner up last year. They've got, you know, two returning state champions uh, that we actually got to watch last night in a duel against Shawnee. They're great too. Uh, Duncan's got a lot of great stuff going on. That's not counting the aviation club and our archery club. That's doing some great stuff here lately. So yeah, Duncan public schools, man, uh, a small little gym down here in Southwest Oklahoma. that has got a, got some good marketing going behind it now. And there's a Charlie's chicken in Duncan too, which you can, uh, you can never, ever get <laughs> Only enough you. of that. I'm surprised you didn't say Taco Tico. Usually that's the go-to fast food place in Duncan that people like. I know Kerry Murdoch's a big Taco Tico guy, but I'm more of the Charlie's Chicken guy. Okay. Chisholm, I appreciate it as always. I hope the family's well. Uh, you and I maybe will commiserate uh, in private after our teams get knocked out of the playoffs <laughs> this weekend. But e- either way, it should be fun. Yeah, you're the first person I'm calling, Todd. I appreciate it, brother. <laughs> big thanks to Jacqueline Musgrove, our producer today. Big thanks to Michael Lane, our creative director, and Bobby Howard and Michael Martin behind the scenes. Don't forget, if you like what you've heard or seen, subscribe on YouTube or wherever you get your podcast. Don't forget to download the Sellout Crowd app. You can also check all of our stuff out at selloutcrowd.com. Not just me, but all the other creators at selloutcrowd.com. Thanks to you for listening to the Todd Pod. <laughs>